Welcome to Rise with Hope, Hope Sheds Light's weekly podcast. Join us as we tackle the real issues, share actual stories, offer a little strength, and provide a whole lot of hope to families and our loved ones impacted by addiction. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Rise with Hope. I'm Pam from Hope Sheds Light. Thank you for joining us today. I'm sitting here with Nicole whose last name I already, I'm not going to say right. Sorry, I just asked her. Um, Federici. 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 Hi, Nicole. Hi, um, Thank you for joining us today on Rise with Hope. It's um, our pad- podcast, and it's our way of reaching out to a larger audience, in particular to speak with other families who've been impacted by substance use disorder, to share our stories, to advocate for change where needed, and to provide a little bit of hope. So thank you for joining me today, and I'm wondering if you can just tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so I am a mom. I have three boys, and my two older ones suffer from substance use disorders. We've been battling their addictions for about 10 years now, um, and it's been up and down a lot of the time, um, some really good times and some really difficult times. And through my journey, I always um, wanted to help other people Mm -hmm. and share my story in the hopes that it would give them some hope, guidance, um, maybe not making the same mistakes I made. Right. Um, Right. And looking Mm -hmm. back and saying, wow, I could have done that differently and it might have yielded a better result. Right. Um, Sometimes I like to ask parents in particular, you know, how long did you have a sense that maybe your son was, you know, struggling with issues with drugs or alcohol? It's interesting because when he was younger, um, you know, like most parents, I thought it was just dabbling, experimenting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really did not know that he had an addiction issue probably until he was 17, Mm -hmm. where I could actually say, wow, this exists. Right. You know, I, I had no idea that, you know, I knew people were addicted to drugs, but I didn't know what that looked like in the framework of life. Right. And then it was um, a disease. Mm-hmm. I had no understanding of that. So really, probably when I entered um, a 12-step fellowship and talked to other parents, I realized it was almost a relief. Right. Because I'm like, okay, <clears throat> this is what he has. This is what we're dealing with. Where do we go from here? Yeah, that's interesting because I've heard both. You know, I've heard people say it was a relief to at least now finally know what we were dealing with and others to say it was horrifying because their preconceived notion of what it means to be diagnosed with an addiction disorder is like, oh my God, this is a lifetime of, you know, unsuccessful attempts and all the journey that addiction can take you on. So I've heard both from both sides, but not, not as frequently like the relief piece. Yeah, because I I knew something wasn't right, Mm -hmm. you know, and I knew that what I was doing, you know, and I say this to parents a lot. When there's no consequence too great to stop an action, mm-hmm. there, there's a reason why. Yeah. What do you do? That's great. I like that. Yeah. Um, and I know that you, uh, so let me let you continue your story. So at 17 years old, you realized this was bigger than what you thought it was. Yes. And what what did you do? My first thing that I did was really get help for myself. That's um, great. You know, I really um, tried to guide my son into getting help as well. But I really um, focused on myself and and getting myself stronger Mm -hmm. and learning about the disease and learning, you know, um, 
not knowingly, but the part I played in maybe enabling it along the way, mm -hmm. but out of love initially, right. you know, never out of harm for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and I really just focused on that. And by 18, he was um, down in Florida for probably the next nine to 10 years. So mm -hmm. I had a really long time of being separated for him from him and being able to focus on myself and my family and getting myself stronger. Right. How long, like how long was there some the chaos of addiction in your home before the 17 year hit and you knew it was bigger? Probably, probably all throughout high school, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. maybe started dabbling eighth grade freshman right. year, you know, so, but by his last year, it was really getting apparent that, he was out of control. And in Florida, was he in and out of an active addiction or was, yes. did he, okay. He never maintained much sobriety down there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, it was what it was for him in Florida was, you know, him using the system, the system using him. Right. So that's right. just kind of where he was at. And I didn't have any understanding of what that, that was you know, because I wasn't there. Right. So I just knew he was entering treatment again. He was getting out, you know, he'd be okay for maybe, maybe seemingly okay because I wasn't seeing him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, phone calls get further apart. You don't hear from him from weeks and, you know, you start to really worry because, you know, I found for myself, there is um, a cycle and you start to see it. Right. So for me, if it was 10 days, that wasn't so bad. But once we're getting into two weeks, three weeks, you know, concern mm -hmm. really started to play out. <clears throat> so, um, and sometimes he was in treatment and just couldn't call me. So, um, and, um, he, was it his choice to go to Florida? It was. Yeah. It was. That's... It was, it was back. I mean, we've made so many strides right? and there's so much more awareness <laughs> and resources. But back then, um, he was, had been in Jersey shore and I got one page and that was the name on there. <laughs> and so that's who we used. Right. You know, right. that's interesting. So you were referred to Florida from mm -hmm. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what we did back in the day. A lot of people went from New Jersey to Florida. Yeah. That was the pipeline for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, how is, where does he fall in the number? Like your, is he the oldest? Middle? He's my second oldest. Second oldest. So while that was going on, you mm -hmm. know, I started to see that my older son also had substance use, mm -hmm. different substances, both of them. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, and that became more apparent and I don't know whether, you know, one is, one is, you know, harder drugs and one's alcohol. So they just seemingly play out differently. Right. You know, so um, it took a while for me to see the other ones, but he was, you know, attending college. He was moving forward. He was. Uh, is the alcohol the one that took longer? For me to see, yeah. for sure. Oh, it's so much more yeah. accommodated in our culture. So I yeah. can see that being easy to deny, yeah. easy for him to say you're, you know, I don't have the same problem as my brother, you right, know, like, right. yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the younger one would, you know, there was, you know, weekends in jail, you know, I didn't see that with the older one. Right. It's just, it's just more, I don't know, for whatever reason for mm -hmm. me anyway, it was more apparent. And, um, so how are your, how are they doing today? So, um, for today, I think they're both struggling again, mm -hmm. you know, and they've had some good time. Um, but that's how we sit today. Right. And you, know? you have, you know, visually I see like 
a sense of calm, which I admire about how much of this is your, what you can do and what you can't do. Yes. And, and how did you get there? So many parents never get to where you are. So for me, it's complete faith, mm-hmm. you know, and I just have to, I have to turn it over because it'll destroy me. It'll right. destroy myself, my husband, my younger son, who's 15, mm-hmm. um, if I allow it to. Right. And it's just, it's just what I have to do because, you know, I have to get through my days. I have to be happy. I have to be joyful. I have to show up here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's what I do. I, I, it doesn't mean I don't have my moments. Of course. You know, of course. and I give myself time for that. That's important for me to mm-hmm. give myself time to cry and mm-hmm. say, okay, and then turn it over and be on, you know, with my day, like today. Right. <laughs> well, and we'll talk a little bit about self-care towards the end, yeah. but you didn't just stop there because you um, did something bold and you went ahead and opened an organization here in, in Monmouth County in New Jersey to reach out to other families. Can you tell can you talk about that experience a little sure. bit? So in um, 2017, um, myself and another woman, we co-founded RAFS, which is Recovery Advocates for the Shore. And what we saw is people were falling through the gaps of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were curious, you know, people were, and even my son was coming in and out of, you know, emergency rooms. And I don't think at that time they had peer recovery specialists in the emergency rooms back then. Right. But I was always curious, like, you know, he has a medical condition. Why isn't the help being at least offered to him? Whether he accepts it or not, right. it's a different story. Right. But why wasn't being given to him to say, you know, help is here. Do you want it? Um, would you like to enter detox? So, um, and families, like I mm-hmm. said before, you know, so many families are suffering. And right. whether we know it or not, we are the strongest link in the chain. Um, so... We need to get ourselves better. Right. To have any chance, I think, of getting our loved ones better. I think one of the things that attracted me to you and your philosophy and and RAFs is that your definition of family recovery includes families recovering separate on their own recovery journey from the, the affected loved one. Not everybody does that. Like, I speak to so many families who... If their child or spouse or who, who qualifier is okay, then they're okay. Yeah. And when they're not, the, the family member is not. Right. And the new message that we're pushing, I believe, is for families to have that opportunity to heal and find recovery separate, not in the lack of love or lack of caring, but just separate from their indiv- their loved one's recovery journey. They're two different paths. Yes. Seems like you you instinctually knew that almost from the start. I, I think I learned the hard way, but yeah, <laughs> I got there. <laughs> so it's like sink or swim. <laughs> you know, so that sound to me like rafts, that's something that you try to offer. I do, because mm-hmm. even when um some if an individual calls out for help, you know. We asked, you know, can we reach out to your family member? Can we get them involved in this? Mm -hmm. Because it's so important. It's so important because the person who has the um, disease is not the only one suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, and we really have to be, and even, you know, working with the prosecutor's office, you know, give us the families. You know, offer them the family workshop. Get them help. I wish we had family um, 
support peer support service specialists in the emergency room because when our loved ones go in after being narcaned or, or and or just you know in a overdose state they're offered help which they need but they're they're usually not there alone they're usually you know somebody's running in after them worried that they're going to die and mm -hmm. sitting in the waiting room and i wish we could rush in a family peer support specialist across the state as well i I know we've talked about that. A couple other states have parent, I think they call them parent navigators. They yeah. probably should call them family navigators that could do the same thing. Um, I know that our two agencies are very similar that way. Yes. When we see the key um, to helping the broader community is to get families help. Uh, because I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. There were times when, for sure, I was sitting there. Yeah, you know, overnight, four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Saying, should I drink coffee or I'm going to be out of here by seven and I can go to sleep? You know, exactly. <laughs> don't know which way to go. But <laughs> yep. Well, that's something that and we can lonely. work on. It is lonely, and uh, I don't know about you, but I've also realized uh, there's so much stigma still, even in the the care healthcare system. If you know, I was in the emergency room multiple times, and with my niece and by the third or fourth visit to the same hospital, I could just see the look on the faces like they don't even want to mm -hmm. revive, revive her or they don't want to spend their time because she's just going to be back next week like that. That's the mentality. Um, it's, I guess it's just their version of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but you know, uh, it's disheartening. So it's also isolating and frustrating to be sitting there by yourself. Yeah caring for someone in a facility where you're hoping they're getting equal care and you're not sure that they are oftentimes. So I think that's some an area where we can do a lot of a lot of work. And the educational part for healthcare mm -hmm. workers to reduce the stigma because mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a disease that cycles. It is recurrence. You know, so we're is gonna part see them a lot. Yep. Recurrence so, <laughs> is part of it. We're gonna see them a lot. It doesn't have to be. Right. But sometimes it is. Right? Also, they're taking, um, if we speak in their language a little bit, the whole treatment model is taking like the acute approach, acute model approach to mm -hmm. treatment. And this is a chronic disease. But if we could get them on board to advocate with us for increased, you know, chronic disease management strategies, maybe right. they would be less frustrated themselves, you know, yep. to bring them in as allies as opposed to this tug of war that we feel, mm -hmm. I feel sometimes yes. anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. So one of the reasons we started uh, Rise with Hope was to provide, we, it started during COVID and the pandemic and understanding that for our population, we live in stress uh, oftentimes and have to have learned strategies to cope with stress. And now I felt like we could be leaders almost in providing stress management strategies for a broader community who's dealing with the COVID panic and being isolated. And so I'm wondering if you can share with our audience some of the, you know, self-care practices that you've had to introduce um, in your life to help you get, you know, through the storm of addiction, basically. Yeah, sure. I have, I have a couple of them. So <laughs> depending on what I'm going through is what I use. But every morning I try to wake up and just thank God for waking me up mm -hmm. and just to sit there a moment and just say, okay, I'm awake, you know, help me get through my day right? and to be a blessing to others as That's I move forward. 
So um, I don't remember it every morning. Right. But most mornings I do because mm-hmm. I'm practicing it more and more. Right. Um, I always do a spiritual reading, try to meditate on that a little bit in the morning. Um, and then I try to get on with my day. But um, if I'm having a really difficult time, I know I need to reach out to my friends who understand where I'm at. Right. And that's a big, big self-care tool for me. Um, I wasn't a phone picker up person. Um, <laughs> you know, I it's just not my go-to right. tool to use. Uh-huh. But it's very important to reach out. And especially during COVID to get on those Zoom meetings and to see other faces and to talk to people and try to interact um, socially in a safe way mm-hmm. it was so so very important and for my mental health right um, I, I've been hearing people talk about zoom fatigue I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a new syndrome pretty soon or something <laughs> but but I, I hear you and I, I hope other people are hearing you that for now if that's our only option we have to find a way to push through that fatigue because connecting with other people is really one of the most powerful ways to, to move through successfully kind of navigate these waters. And then we find that we're really not alone, that our stories aren't that unique. We don't have to be, you know, it's uni- it's individualized. It's our loved one. It's our pain. But we can get strength from other people's experiences, I think, because they're similar. Yeah, without know? a doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to other people and where they're at. And sometimes, you know, you may identify and say, I've been there but I'm not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And and you're showing them, you know what? And you can say, I used to be there. I know exactly how you feel, but this is how I move from there. That's empowering in and of itself, right? Like mm-hmm. that gives me hope when I'm reaching out for help for myself, but I have an opportunity to also provide help to somebody else. Then mm-hmm. that, that just keeps it moving in a good way. I yeah, think I, so, I agree. Mm-hmm. And there are always instances of that, you mm-hmm. know, where you come into a room and you're like, oh, I know I need to be here. I really don't want to be here today, <laughs> but I know it's in my best interest. Yeah. And then like a miracle happens, you yes. know, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad. I, That's I, when I they happen the today, most, right? right? <laughs> yep. When you really don't want to be there right. and then you yeah, go sure. and it's like the big miracles uh-huh. waiting for you there. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, I, you know, I want to thank you so much for sharing uh, part of your story with us and our audience. Um, I'm looking forward to collaborating and working more closely with you. Our agencies do very similar work. Yes. And um, I know that we have that on the horizon. And I'm, I'm very excited about exciting. that. It is exciting. It is. And thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And for those of you listening, please remember that we have an email address for you to send us your comments, questions, um, thoughts. We want to be able to share your ideas and your experience, strength, and hope with our community. So that's rise at hopeshedslight.org. I look forward to hearing you and making you part of the discussion. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Nicole. Thanks, ma'am. If you'd like to support Hope Sheds Light, you can visit us at hopeshedslight.org and join our circle of hope. Remember, we want to hear from you. Share your stories with us. You can reach us at rise at hopeshedslight.org. Till next time.